With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch. Five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Before we roll the audio on this PFT Live podcast, we want you to know that Mike Florio does an afternoon podcast. Why? To catch all the late-breaking news and developing stories in the NFL, of course. So you got to subscribe to PFT PM as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Art19, or Google Play. Search PFT PM and subscribe. Boom. Done. Thanks for the support. Now, stats. Another hour of the PFT Live podcast. We watch the games, man. All the guy told is quick checks and, you know, quick dumps, slants across the middle. Things to get these fast wide receivers, small wide receivers open. You know, they try to hide, you know, some of the things they can't do too well. You know, the talent they don't have with all the motions, all the tricky eye candy stuff. I see it in the media, man. I don't know why I keep repeating it. It's the same goofy stuff, man. And at the end of the day, you know, we we, we bent down when it was time. Y'all know, I know we, we, we bent a little bit, but we didn't break. Frank Clark, Chiefs defensive end, not holding back with his assessment of the San Francisco 49ers offense. He had some other criticism, very pointed, of Jimmy Garoppolo and all the money he makes, and he's not very good. And, Chris, you talked earlier in the week about this concept that that other players resent highly paid quarterbacks who aren't delivering because that's money that could go to other players. But you got to pay the quarterback a ton of money no matter how good yeah. he is or isn't. By the way, it's PFT Live, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSN. Hello to our good friends in the U.K. and in Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports. So, fundamental question. And we've been talking about this in different forms and different contexts over the past couple of days. But here's the reality, Peter. Football teams every year engage in a broad, comprehensive look at the roster, and they decide where they can upgrade, where they should upgrade, where they have an opportunity to upgrade. Do the 49ers, given that contract structure that gives them until April 1 to make a decision about Jimmy Garoppolo, do they owe it to the organization to at least engage in the analysis as to whether or not there is a potential upgrade out there over Jimmy Garoppolo? Dispassionate, objective, name off the back of the jersey, Forget what you've paid him. Look at the situation. Look at the options. Should they engage in that exercise? Should they? Maybe. Will they? I think almost absolutely not. 
And I'll tell you why. Because, you know, last year when Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt, Kyle Shanahan asked his dad, Mike Shanahan, the two-time Super Bowl winning coach and quarterback whisperer, hey, would you come to Santa Clara and would you uh, basically teach our offense to Jimmy Garoppolo from the ground up? Now he's got eight or nine weeks of nothing other than rehab. I want him to learn everything about this offense from the ground up. And Mike Shanahan came. He worked with him four or five days a week, five hours a day, and he gave him homework. He said, you got to go home and do this. So at the end of that period, the 49ers had uh, a guy who thought exactly like Kyle Shanahan and who knew the offense exactly like Kyle Shanahan. Maybe not, you know, every little uh, detour on the road. But he knew everything about this offense now. And this was his first year, his first full season in the NFL. He went to New Orleans and put up 48 points. He had some blips on his radar. The Super Bowl, he had some blips. Yep. The home game against Seattle on Monday night, an inglorious game by Garoppolo. But he had enough positive things that happened this year that I firmly believe that the 49ers are all in on Garoppolo and will not look elsewhere. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you too, Peter. You know, Mike, I mean, to your to what you're saying, you know, I do think Kyle will get into the analysis of upgrading everybody. I think he's going to evaluate Garoppolo hard, but I think it's also one of those things where, yeah, he'll evaluate it hard, but it, it, the analysis is going to have to be totally like a disaster for him to go, okay, maybe we should look about – you know, signing a free agent quarterback or making a move to change a quarterback. And I just don't think we're going to get there. You know, yeah. You know, Peter mentioned it, the Saints game, the Seahawks game week 17. You know, it was a lot of good quality play. The grass isn't always green. And who are you going to bring in that's necessarily definitely better, right? This was a Super Bowl team. It is his first year as a starter, okay? And we saw – when Shanahan was in Atlanta, Matt Ryan exploded his second full year in that offense. So uh, I think this is a team that's still in their Super Bowl window, and I don't know why you'd upset that. I know we want to blame Jimmy Garoppolo. I get it. You know, and it's easy to blame him, too, because we saw the guy on the other side of the field make all the big plays when it mattered. Well, hey, just to, like, nobody is that guy. Nobody. Number 15 is the guy. There's just nobody. He has a chance to be the greatest player we've ever seen in football. He has that type of talent. So as I sit here and do this, you know, yeah, I think they're fine with Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm more concerned about their defense letting up 21 points in the last six minutes of a game when their team was built around defense and five first-rounders on their D-line. To me, if we're going to blame anybody, that is what annoys me more about the game than anything else. Back to Garoppolo, though. Yes. You know, I, I look at it from this perspective. If he was a free agent right now, yeah, where would he fit in the hierarchy of the other guys who are going to be available? Like, how attractive would he be if he were free and clear, like a Tom Brady, like a Phillip Rivers, like a Ryan Tannehill, unless Tannehill gets tagged? Uh, you know, where where is he on that on that pecking order of quarterbacks if he is on the market? Well... Mike, you can't consider him along with, let's say, Brady, Rivers, Breeze. Those guys are uh, Band-Aids. Right. Last Those guys leg. are one- or two-year fixes. Right. And, and to me, you have to look at Garoppolo. If you're going to buy Garoppolo, okay, if you're going to buy him, 
All right. You have to compare him basically probably to Ryan Tannehill and Teddy Bridgewater, right? Um, and 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 maybe even Taysom Hill, because Taysom Hill, I think, is the most fascinating player in free agency, even though he is restricted. And when I look at all these guys, Mike, the one thing I say is give me the advantage of a guy who's going to hit the ground running with a championship-ready defense, although, as Chris said, you know, there was a championship-level defense for 53 minutes. Right. And then they were the Cleveland Browns for seven. Right. So, I, I mean, I look at this. I understand what you're saying, Mike, but I think there are so many other things to it than just simply saying, if you plug Tom Brady into this team next year, you have a better chance of winning the Super Bowl than if Jimmy Garoppolo plays. I'm not even sure that's true. Yeah, because a 43-year-old quarterback's right. a 43-year-old quarterback. Right. I, 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 that's what I would say, too. You're exactly right. Like, Breeze and Brady are good, guys. Uh, you know, I'm there. But you, you've heard me, Mike. I mean, I, I, they're the middle of the pack right now. And that's not to be, like, disrespectful to legends. I understand that. I understand Brady's the GOAT. He's the man. But like Peter said, he's going to be 43. It's just he's, he's not one of the five or ten best quarterbacks in football anymore. And, you know, to the other question, Mike, you said, like, where would he – you know, stack up in the pecking order. You know, it, you know, that's a good question. I, you know, do I think, I don't think he's as talented. Dak Prescott, of course, I'm going to give, I'm going to take him over Jimmy Garoppolo, a hundred percent. I'm probably going to take Ryan Tannehill over him. I think Ryan Tannehill probably has more talent than Jimmy Garoppolo. It's close, but I think I would take Tannehill. And then there comes Jimmy Garoppolo to me in that conversation. And then he would be that next guy in the pecking order. Um, and again, you know, I just I think the way this team's built and the way Shanahan designs offensive plays and things like that, that he'll get better Garoppolo. And I just think that this team is not going anywhere anytime soon because there's just so much young talent. And I don't know if you'd want to upset that right now. Let me try a different approach. Yes. A different idea. OK, Chris. Yes. Chris, you've told this story before. Right. Kyle Shan and Kyle Shanahan told it himself last week. Patrick Mahomes. They had the third overall pick yeah. in the. 2017 draft, they did not take Patrick Mahomes because Shanahan didn't evaluate Patrick Mahomes. And why didn't he evaluate Patrick Mahomes? Because he, he thought he was going to get Kirk Cousins. That's right. Yes. He thought he thought for okay. sure he was going to get him. Go ahead. Okay. So Kirk Cousins knows the offense. Don't need to bring Mike in to teach Kirk Cousins the offense. Right. 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 Kirk Cousins is under contract with Minnesota for one more year. Yeah. Now, look, if he doesn't make that throw to Adam Thielen at the end of the playoff win over the Saints... Maybe this is a, a more plausible conversation. Right. But the Vikings have him under contract for one more year at $29.5 We don't know what they'd be willing to do. And he has a no-trade clause. I think he would waive it if he had a chance to go be the quarterback of the 49ers. I do, too. Here's the question. Here's the question. Garoppolo's due to make $25.2 million. $15.7 million of it is fully guaranteed as of April 1. And... Kirk Cousins is due to make $29.5 million this year, fully guaranteed. If you're John Lynch, do you make – remember the call he made to Bill Belichick in the 2017 season? Do you make that call to Rick Spielman, the GM of the Vikings, just to see what it would take to get Kirk Cousins? Anything? You know why I wouldn't make the phone call? Let me, let me say why I wouldn't make the phone call. Because it's going to get out. Yes, it is. It's going to destroy your team in and your locker room. It's going to destroy any confidence that... Can you imagine how shattered Jimmy Garoppolo would be if he found out that 
you were trying to trade for Kirk Cousins. He's already in the back of his mind. He knows this story. In the back of his mind, he already knows that Kyle Shanahan wanted Kirk Cousins. Right. Okay. So how do you think he would feel? I mean, that would be a disastrous move. There's no way I don't in assume it years gets I would out. do that. I trust Rick it's Spielman to be discreet. It's going to get out. I trust Rick Spielman no to be way. discreet about it. All right. Yeah. Uh, that's getting out right Peter. there. Yeah. Chris, well, Chris, what's your thought? Well, I, you know, like, I, I, in theory, like, I know what you're saying. And I think Kirk Cousins is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I do. Yes. But I think that's a very delicate situation. And the, the, the point Peter made to me is the point. You know, yeah, maybe you can trust Rick Spielman. It better just be Rick Spielman on the phone. You know, if there's other organizational <laughs> people involved or anything like that, then it gets scary because somebody does talk, you know, whether they talk to you, Florio or Adam Schefter or Peter King or whoever, more times than not, those type of rumors seem to get out in the NFL. And but, but isn't there a way to do it and have plausible deniability? Isn't there a way to have a hypothetical conversation? Isn't there a way to just dip your toe in the water without giving Spielman or anyone else with the Vikings ammunition to whisper to Schefter or someone else that they're talking about possibly trading for Kirk Cousins? I, I just I, I, I think there's a way to do it if you really want to do it. I guess that's the question. How do you do Chris, it? You know, you know, Kyle better than anybody on this show right. and better than most people in the media. Right. Um, what is Kyle laying in bed at night over the next couple of weeks thinking, is there a way that I can upgrade from Jimmy G to Kirk C? Well, I, I, I will not deny that. I don't think those, those things are going through his brain. I, I, I don't, I think Kyle will toss and exhaust all angles with this. And like we were talking about earlier, you know, I think, you know, the analysis and them, you know, going back and studying Jimmy Garoppolo, they'll do that and they'll do it hard. But I think at the end of the day, Shanahan's going to realize, man, we were close. You know, this guy I know can get better. I know that. And we were up 20 to 10 with six and a half minutes left in the Super Bowl. And I think he's going to just, I think his, his, you know, his smarts, the realistic reality of the situation, whatever it may be, uh, I think he'll just stay status quo with Jimmy G. All right, we need to take a break. When we return, we had a conversation with Russell Wilson last week at the Super Bowl. We're going to listen back to some of what he said for clues as to whether he's looking for more freedom in the Seattle Seahawks offense. You'll hear all of that next right here on Pro Football Talk Live. Why do you got to drive me crazy every Sunday with like, Oh, we fell behind, and or, and it's a big game, and now Russell's got to go crazy backyard football magic, man. Yeah. You know what? What is it? Why? Where? where why can't we find that rhythm earlier in the game at times? Um, I think we. I think that that's what we got to figure out. You know, as we go in throughout the, you know, this off season, and, and we're trying to capture that earlier on, because I, I think we do it really well. You know, I, I really know kind of what I want to, you know, get get after them and how we want to get after them, especially in those moments. And and uh, guys just make plays in those moments. I think the the freedom of just going after and just scoring as many points you know that's kind of what the what, what the Chiefs do to be honest right. with you they, they they do a really good job Andy Reid and Mahomes they do a really good job of getting up to the ball playing with their playmakers and finding a way to make plays and you know they score more points than everybody else Russell Wilson from last week with us at the Super Bowl it kind of sounds like Peter King that Russell Wilson is maybe looking for a little more freedom in the offense looking for maybe some more up-tempo play, put the pedal to the metal and go out and score a bunch of points, trust your guys, and get away from that more manufactured and structured offense that the Seahawks otherwise use. 
Look, in 2018, the Seahawks basically in having, you know, one of the top three running games in football, and I think statistically it was the top running game in football according to most metrics. Um, I think that caused Seattle in 2019 to say, okay, that is our bread and butter. Even though we got this great quarterback in Russell Wilson, you know, we're going to control the clock and we are going to limit the number of possessions by the opposition, and that's how we're going to play. Well, it didn't work quite as well this year, and it turns out by the end of the year, they had to turn to Marshawn Lynch uh, to scotch tape their running game together, you know, at the most important time of the year. I believe that what Seattle needs to do is to find and develop a tight end alongside Jacob Hollister, and to go forward, I think their receiving weapons are good, but they need one more, and they need to continue to fortify the offensive line. In my opinion, I like that offense. I think Chris is right. I like that offense when it's up-tempo, when Russell Wilson is putting his foot on the throat of the defense. They should do more of that. Yeah, agreed. I agree with Peter that they need one more weapon within the offense, too. You know, because I don't think we can sit here and just go, oh, the defense is going to turn the corner this year. You know, the defense, it's a work in progress. Do I think it's going to get better? But you know, hey, that defense was below average this year as far as the NFL is concerned. They were somewhere ranked in the 20s. I just want to make sure I got that right, but I'm pretty sure they were. They were the 26th ranked defense in football, but yet there was still a lot of games where they play, ooh, we're going to run the ball first, and we're going to try to control the clock and do all that. Then it doesn't really work out, and their defense lets up points because it's not the same dominant defense that we've seen, and then it's like, hey, Russell, save us. You know, we're not dominating the run game. And, you know, I understand that Pete Carroll is a defensive coach. It's the way he wants to play. But, yes, in, in, in my assessment and, like, kind of agreeing with Peter here, you know, I, I'd like to see Seattle be a little bit more aggressive early in games. Put the game in Russell Wilson's hands a little bit more. Like he said with the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, Kansas City puts pressure on you. It's not always these mind-blowing concepts, but because of the talent of the receivers and the quarterback, they push people downfield, and then Mahomes can buy time deep in the pocket, and that stresses a defense to cover the whole field. Russell Wilson can have that same effect. I just wish they would do that a little bit more instead of always trying to live through the run and then going, oh, damn, it doesn't work like Green Bay in the playoffs this year or the previous year in Dallas. Remember, we were saying the same thing. Why? What took so long to get in the passing game? I do think that's something they need to evaluate. It really is strange. He's the highest paid quarterback in the history of the game at $35 million per year. But I, I sense there's always that restraint when it comes to using him to his full abilities. We've seen what he can do. I don't understand why there's that hesitation to just say he's the center of the universe and we are going to let him right. go out and create. We are going to put the ball in his hands. I mean, I'm still bothered, Peter, by fourth and 11, punting the ball back to Aaron Rodgers when you've got Russell Wilson and, hey, take a few steps back Look at one read. If it's not there, take off. And and we've seen that he can get that first down. And and I it, it irritates the hell out of me that they punted there. You have Russell Wilson. They have Aaron Rodgers. You keep the ball in the hands of Russell Wilson. You trust him more. I don't know why there's that reluctance to trust him the way that they should. I would not have gone for it. I would have punted just the way they did on that play. But And I think a lot of times you look at situations like that and on the ensuing drive, Aaron Rodgers completed what? A third and seven, third and nine, third yeah. and, nine and third and eight, I right. believe. 
on that ensuing drive, at least two of those. And what is, what's crazy about that is on one of them, on the biggest play to Devontae Adams, the one where Aaron Rodgers made the throw of the day, uh, the guy covering him was basically a guy who played 20 snaps all year or whatever. I'm exaggerating, but who hadn't played at all. And so I think sometimes you got to rely on coaches to put people in the right position. Yep. You can't have neophytes covering Devontae Adams on the biggest play of the game. You know, sometimes you have to blame people other than the head coach, in my opinion, because players need to make plays. Coaches need to put players in the right position to make plays. Yeah, that, that, that's if only they'd had if only they'd had Joe Turdball to cover Devontae Adams, they would have been <laughs> yeah. fine. Joe Turdball <laughs> yeah. making big money, only, <laughs> only him. But but yeah, I, you know, to me, you know, again, and and Pete Carroll, all time great coach, right? And he he's won with this formula since he's been in the NFL. But this is to me where I want to go to Pete Carroll. Like, hey, look at Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick won the first three Super Bowls, right? With kind of like, hey, we're going to run the ball, control the clock. Brady will make some big clutch throws when we need it, and we'll play defense. And then, hey, defense started to get a little older, and he started to realize, whoa, I got this Tom Brady guy. He's really good. Hey, let's spread it out. Let's get Wes Welker and Julian Edelman and just start throwing at 40 because that's the strength of our team. And I just don't know. Seattle just hasn't quite got there yet. They need to get to that point. Expand the schemes in the passing offense. It's a little simplistic to me at times as far as what the plays are themselves. It's too much pressure on Russell that way to what Peter's saying. They need to put guys a little bit more in the, you know, the area of, like, here this is a great play and it's 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 going to be successful and you'll be successful and uh hopefully they can do that this offseason we're going to look at the top offseason storylines in draft format when pro tom brady due to be a free agent in march unless he re-signs with the patriots julian edelman super bowl 53 mvp hopeful that tom will indeed choose to come back took to social media to reprise was that say anything was that the movie with john cusack holding up the is that the what that is i wasn't sure playing playing in your eyes by peter gabriel over and over again that's what edelman wants he wants tom brady to be back in new england a lot of fans would like him to be back we'll find out what he's going to do in time and that leads into our draft for today the most interesting 2020 offseason storylines i've got the trivia question for peter king if he gets it right he gets the first pick otherwise sims picks first and i think we know what the first pick will be here's the question peter the chiefs went 50 years between super bowl championships which team is currently waiting the longest for its next super bowl win does that mean that they already need they had to win one already yes they had to win one. Um, okay. Oh. Um, I will say Oakland. The New York Jets. I don't know. Super Bowl three oh, champions. The oh, New York yeah. Jets yeah. to cap the nineteen sixty eight season. Yeah. Hey. Hey, hey, when the, when the lights amazing. on, baby, you it's choke, not right? easy. You <laughs> choke. You, you hear the Jeopardy music in your head, uh, and uh, and you choke. All right, Sims, you're up. That's right. Don't worry, Peter. We choke on a daily basis. You only have to do it once a week, but uh, it, it is. It's unreal. It's unreal. Um, I know what you think I'm going to pick, but I'm not going to pick that. I'm not. Because to me, the thing I am most fascinated by this offseason is, 
is how much money Patrick Mahomes is going to make. I this the, the contract that that's where I'm I'm interested to see. I mean, I really am. To me, this is the most fascinating thing, and I know what you guys are going to pick, and it's going to be the Braves and Breeze thing, and I get it. It's awesome. But I just am like, here's a quarterback that's so far exceeded expectations in year two and three of his career. He's already the best player in football. He's the face of the NFL. He's overcome, you know, just uh, you know some amazing obstacles here. And we know that there's a whole CBA and the TV deal and – you know they're going to have to break the bank in a way that we've never seen before in the NFL. I mean, this is going to be the first $40 million man. Maybe this is going to be the first guy that actually gets to what Mike Florio has always been saying, a percentage of the salary cap, and forget just about a hard line number. So for me, that is the thing I'm most excited to see because I don't think Mahomes is going to be very happy to go into the season uh, on this old contract and I think Kansas City knows that, and they're going to have to find a way to pony up the money and have a creative contract that makes sense for Mahomes for a long, long time. Hey, we have a lot of picks to make in this segment, but let me make one point. And I have the story at ProFootballTalk.com explaining it in more detail there. Yeah. One of the biggest problems in doing a deal this year is that Mahomes is due to make only $2.7 million. So when you rip up the two years left on his current contract, $2.7 million this year, roughly $24 million next year as the fifth-year option that he'll be entitled to. When you rip it up and replace it with a five-year, well, and you don't replace, you have a five-year, $200 million extension, you get into this whole new money, total value thing. Bottom line, if they sign him to a five-year, $200 million extension, his actual value at signing is $32 million. And that gap, driven by a $2.7 million compensation package this year is going to make it hard to do a deal this year because you just can't make the total value and the new money fit. The gap is going to be too large. I think, I think there's a chance he doesn't get his contract until next year. Peter, you're up. Uh, you know, that's overthinking. You know, both you guys are overthinking this too much, I think, because I've never heard one person call a talk show and said, and say, Hey, how much money do you think Mahomes is going to sign for? The fact is, the only thing that fans care about is the guy is going to play for that team. Patrick Mahomes is not playing anywhere else. Whatever he makes, how many zeros he has in his bank account, who cares? Nobody cares. All right. Having said that and slapped you both in the face, <laughs> I will just say that but without any question, it's where does Tom Brady land? Um, you know, last week when there was a tweet with Tom Brady in Gillette Stadium in the shadows, uh, the the free world went out of its collective mind. And so that by far, I don't care if Patrick Mahomes signs for 90 million a year. You know, Tom Brady and his whereabouts this year with the all-time greatest maybe player in the history of the game, that's the story of the offseason. Yeah, I, Chris, I don't know what you were thinking. Uh, un, undoubtedly. I, got, I, mean, I, we, I get it. I we told spent you. A, I like we spent the other a whole segment. We spent a whole segment trying to decipher that that Escher drawing of Tom Brady. The top's walking in, the bottom's walking out. What's going on I here? had more people in Miami last week ask me what they think of Mahomes' contract than they did where do you think Tom Brady's going to end up playing. I'm just saying. I, I had more people talk to me about that. Everybody thinks Brady's going back to New England. So I understand yeah, that. They're going to be in for a surprise, I yeah, think. We'll see. We'll see. Make your I damn so pick, too. Gloria. But we'll see. All right, Drew Brees, what's he going to do? Is he going to retire? Is he going to play? We're going to have an answer by the end of the month. 
Chris, I, I don't know about you, but when we had him in Miami on Friday on the show with us, I came away from that discussion believing he's going to play one more year. Remember when he yeah. slipped? Yes. We were asking about the 49ers and the Chiefs. Right. He said we play we both play of them next year. Like, ah, <laughs> we ah, got you. <laughs> I, I think he's going to play, but until we know the answer, that's going to be one of the big stories. Yeah, I, I'm with you there uh, 100%. Um, my, my next one is the pass interference replay. Uh, that, that to me, what are we, what's going to happen there? You know, what adjustments is going to be made? Is it going to disappear altogether? I'm really intrigued to where that goes. I mean, it was not a successful uh, experiment this year. You know, I was not in favor of it altogether. Mike, did they bring in the sky judge like you talked about that thing? I don't know. Did they get rid of it altogether? But either way, it was a freaking disaster this year, and it was annoying. And they either need to get rid of it or to totally reconstruct how they do it uh, to make it more enjoyable and not to throw fans into a crazy and not to throw people like all three of us who we know football pretty good and we don't know what the hell pass interference is on a given week. Uh, my next one is the fate of the 2015 MVP. Uh, that's Cam Newton. And not oh. just where he's going to play, because that's the first domino to fall. Whether the Panthers are going to have him back at a fairly bargain rate compared to what most quarterbacks make. Okay, are the Panthers going to have him back for one more year just to see what they have? Or are the Panthers going to move on? And then secondarily, I think it's all about what is Cam Newton? Who is Cam Newton? For the last two years, we have not seen Cam Newton at any degree of health for any uh, number of weeks in a row. Obviously, he missed almost all of last season. And so right now, I don't know who he is anymore, and I don't know if he's totally healthy. All of that is fascinating to me as well, obviously, as where he ends up. Peter, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. I, I had pegged your second pick based upon everything I've heard you say about the guy who will be the quarterback in New Orleans after Drew Brees retires, and that's Taysom Hill. And to me, that is a fascinating story. How do the Saints find the cap space to keep him? How do they, they play out this game of checkers and chess and chicken over what level of, of restricted free agency tender Will they invite the possibility of a team giving them up a first-round pick with an offer they won't be able to match if they keep Drew Brees? They need to keep Taysom Hill. They need to feature Taysom Hill. He was the best player on the field for either team in the wild-card loss to the Vikings. And I am fascinated to see where this guy goes and what he does because he's got superstar potential written all over him. Yeah, uh, I, I agreed there. I mean, yes, he does. He has superstar. I like both of your guys' picks. I really do. I mean, they were both good. I, I understand them completely, and the Cam Newton one is fascinating, and Taysom Hill, yeah, he looks like he has the potential to be a star, and I don't know where he goes. Man, I'm a little torn to what to do here with my third one, but I think I'm going to have See, to go. You, you, were praising, you were praising our picks just to buy time. No, because, well, I'm torn in between whether <laughs> I want to do the quarterbacks in the draft, because I am interested in that, the Joe Burrow, the Tua angle, right? But I think ultimately I'm going to go with Dak Prescott here and that contract situation. Yeah, I, I just find that fascinating. And it does look like he's going to get franchised, but does a deal get done after he gets franchised at some point? And also, like we've mentioned many times, Mike, I mean, the Cowboys are in the Super Bowl window. 
And Prescott has a lot of power here with a new coaching regime in town. And Mike McCarthy, and Mike McCarthy's going to want to get his era underway in, you know, smooth fashion. If you don't have a long-term contract for your quarterback, going to be hard to get it off into a smooth, you know, get the offseason off smoothly without him there being the leader of the team and the offense and guys in the workouts and things like that. So I, I don't know where this Dak Prescott thing goes. Dallas has a lot of juggling with a lot of different players and contracts and things like that. But to me, I find that pretty interesting. I can't believe that this is I'm with the number eighth number eight pick in this draft right now. And I'm not going to pick where do the, where does Tampa go for a quarterback with the, you know, do they re-sign a guy who had 30 interceptions last year or where a top 10 all-time statistical quarterback goes? What happens to Phillip Rivers? But I'm going with the possibility of three quarterbacks in the top five in the draft. Yeah. Does Justin Herbert sneak into the top five? Right. And what does the quarterback, uh, what is what is the richness of the quarterback crop with Tua and Herbert? What does that do to Washington's pick? Because I believe that Washington now could totally rebuild its team if it's willing to do two things, pass on a quarterback, which it will do, and pass on Chase Young. Right. They could trade back twice and get up to three additional first-round picks by trading down. Could they do that? Could they say, hey, listen, we want to get great volume over the next two drafts, or do we want a guy who's got a chance to be Lawrence Taylor? Washington has a franchise-defining decision ahead of it, and it all centers around how much do you love Herbert and Tua. Right. Flip side of what they did in 2012, where they were the ones who gave up all those picks to move up to get RG3. They can slide back and really get the pieces that Ron Rivera needs to turn that team around as quickly as he can in, in a division that, that maybe Washington, with a few good moves and a few lucky breaks, ends up being an unlikely contender in 2020. All right, the last one for me. I'm going off the board completely. I'm trying to project what will happen once the XFL starts playing games and start showcasing some different rules. How much will the XFL influence the NFL? We saw some influence in 2001. We saw some ideas that the NFL cherry-picked from the XFL. What will happen this time around? The two-point conversion shootout to resolve overtime. How will that resonate with fans? What else that the XFL will be doing will make its way into the NFL, either in 2020 or in 2021. I'm fascinated by whether or not the XFL has a chance to survive. I still don't think spring football is going to work because people don't care about football in the spring. No matter how much they love football, they love it during football season. But there could be some very compelling ideas. Remember last year with the AAF, they had that Sky Judge concept, and now that's become something we're pushing for. I know I am very aggressively for the NFL. What ideas from the XFL that we see during the NFL offseason will make their way into the National Football League? All right, that's our draft for the most interesting storylines for the 2020 offseason. When we return, what you'll be talking about today and specifically what you'll be watching, the Chiefs on parade in Kansas City, Missouri, when PFT Live continues. You sure it's Missouri? It's not Kansas? I can't wait till tomorrow. Um, I know it's going to be cold and all that, but... Uh, you know, your juices are going. Everybody in the city, I mean, you got to talking to over a million people. I mean, schools are closed. Businesses are closed. Let's go, man. Let's enjoy it. it. 
You know, it took us 50 years to get here. Let's go. Let's go and have a good time. Keep the city intact. <laughs> let's not ruin what we got. Uh, but let's enjoy the heck out of it. Andy Reid, Chiefs coach, ready for the parade 50 years since the last one. Good news for the attendees, bad news for us watching on TV. The snow is out of the forecast, so it won't look like the winter wonderland that it could be, but that's very good for the people who are going to be there. And, guys, a little tidbit I picked up at the Super Bowl. I haven't seen this reported yet, but my understanding is that the last time the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, they had 11 Pro Bowlers who were whisked away to the Pro Bowl and missed the parade. Those Pro Bowlers, including Hall of Famer Bobby Bell, they will be at the front of this parade 50 years later. They're finally getting their parade because they missed it the last time for the Pro Bowl. That is awesome if that's how it goes down. Hey, you know, one of the great things about the Chiefs, and I'm so appreciative that over time the Hall of Fame has uh, really embraced that 1960s and early 70s Chiefs franchise by putting a lot of those guys in. They deserve it. And look, even though in those days people actually cared about the Pro Bowl and nobody does now other than some TV people, uh, the fact is that back in those days, you know, to go to a Pro Bowl was a real accomplishment. So it probably didn't hurt that much. But can you imagine telling Patrick Mahomes, hey, you're not going to the parade. You're going to play in another game in Orlando that you have no desire to play in. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I would be mad. I'd be like, no, I'd rather see Patrick Mahomes at the parade rather than that touch football game called the Pro Bowl. Now, um, it is really cool. Kansas City is. It's got you know one of the the most special fan bases in all of football. I mean, all these years, uh, some years of just you know obscurity, not playing that well. Anytime you went to Kansas City, you couldn't tell that if you played the Chiefs in Kansas City. You thought, I mean, it didn't matter. Oh, they're they're two and seven. Damn, this place is loud. Are they fighting for a playoff spot? I mean, that's that's how unbelievable that stadium and fan base is. Uh, got great history. We saw how well they traveled to the Super Bowl and excited they are. And of course, they have a player that uh, is just, I think, magnetized that whole area of the country to to just love them even more. And uh, I'm excited. I really am. And they got some personalities too, right, guys? I mean, I would be shocked that we don't hear some crazy things from some of these guys, whether it's Terrell. Suggs, Kelsey, Chris Jones, Honey Badger. Uh, I would think we have some fun sound bites to talk about tomorrow on the show, Mike. Well, Travis Kelsey is one of the characters on that team, and maybe he'll get some advice from his brother Jason on what to say when he goes to the podium. <laughs> Who can forget Eagles center Jason Kelsey two years ago? Here's a little, a little taste of what he said. I still want to know whether he let Dorothy through the gates of Emerald City what to go the see the Wizard that? of Oz. What is that thing? What is that outfit? I, st- I don't know if I've ever. Really- that is Chris. I can tell you what that outfit is. That is the outfit you put on after you've had eight Bud Lights. <laughs> eight? <laughs> I, I would think it'd be more than eight that I'd have to get that outfit on. You'd have to go in the double digit category for me to wear that outfit. I think. 
It's it's the Mummers, uh, the the Mummers parade or celebration, the Mummers costume. That's what Jason Kelsey wore. What is that the day. Mummers? And that what, like, I'm supposed to know that? What the hell is the Mummers? Well, you, listen, if only you were carrying around a device that would allow you to find out any answer that you would want uh, to have. <laughs> All I know is this: something Travis Kelsey does, we'll be talking about tomorrow. Hopefully in a good way and uh, great for the chiefs. And it really is an exciting time. And look, they're so likable. Now, I, how, how many Super Bowls do they have to win before we get sick of the chiefs? There it is. The luge, the, 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 the Lombardi luge, the beer really, luge. I bet, how, how many, I bet Lombardi how many, never thought that would be the use for the trophy right there. Do we get sick of them after they win three or four? If they win three or four, I mean, there's Patriots fatigue. Are we going to have chiefs fatigue? Not yet. I mean, come on. They've got to win. They got to win at least that's five before we hate them. But, but that's my that's my point. I mean, we we I say we appreciate greatness and we celebrate greatness, even to the extent that fans have to set aside the fact that their own favorite teams have no chance as long as Patrick Mahomes and company are doing what they did this year. All right, that's it for this Wednesday PFT Live. The parade coverage, you can find it online and elsewhere at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Check out what the Chiefs do. We'll see you tomorrow for an all-new edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Everybody have a great day.